Welcome to the Beards and Bible Podcast, a podcast that brings together a love for good beer and Bible discussion. You can find us on Instagram at Beers and Bible underscore and on Twitter at Beers and Bible P1. You can also email us at Beers and Bible Podcast at gmail.com. If you enjoy what you hear on Beers and Bible, please consider leaving a five star rating and review on your podcast platform to help us promote this podcast. In the words of the reformer Martin Luther, Whoever drinks beer, he is quick to sleep. Whoever sleeps long does not sin. Whoever does not sin enters heaven. Thus let us drink beer. So let's join our hosts, Rick and Patrick, for this week's discussion. Welcome back to episode number 57 of the Beers and Bible podcast. I am Rick. And I am Patrick. And Houston, we have a problem. Pew, 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 pew. <laughs> yeah, um, so just... Um, we're going to switch it around today. Disclaimer, somebody <laughs> froze their beer. And that person was Rick. Yes. So we sat down, I texted Patrick and I was like, Hey, get ready to, to go grab the beer and, and we'll, you know, I'll call you and we'll do the recording. So I go to my fridge and I grab my beer and I realize that this beer is frozen solid. And I'm like, that's cool. I have five more. All six of my beers are frozen solid. <laughs> So we're going to switch it around and we're going to do our discussion first and then we're going to come back and do the, the beer review while we're waiting on my beer to, to thaw. So this is this is happening in real time. Yes. My yeah. beer is thawing so that we can review it later. And I feel like we had, um, an, haven't we done this on, on purpose, like one other episode where we did the yes. doctrine talk first and then, and then obviously went real well because I don't even remember which one it was, so... <laughs> We switched it around one time because we thought it would be fun, and then we realized it's not fun, and so this time we're going to do it out of necessity mm-hmm. because... Because uh, Rick needs his beer to thaw. He's literally got two of them sitting outside. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I'm thawing two of them sun-style, and I'm thawing two of them restaurant-style where you put it in, like, uh, mediocre, lukewarm water. Mm-hmm. I always remember when I worked in restaurants, that's how we used to thaw thaw our meat. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Shoot, I do stuff. that at home. <laughs> You put it in lukewarm water and it makes it thaw faster, apparently. So Yeah, because the temperature is uh, more even throughout. Yes. Um, but to make up for that, uh, Patrick is drinking Jim Beam and Coke. Um, <laughs> while we're waiting to drink while, beer. While we're waiting to drink beer. Um, I would have drank, I would have poured up Jack, but I finished it yesterday. So um, Jim Beam is what we had. I can't do Jack. Well, I, I can do Gentleman Jack, but like regular Jack Daniels Dude, for me Jack is Daniel like... Is, I like it. <laughs> I don't. I don't not like it. I just don't love it. That's fair. And I typically buy something else. So yeah, yeah. I always end up. Always end up. I do. I will do gentleman Jack though. Gentleman Jack to me is good. But now I will say this: if I have a sore throat, pour the Jack right down your throat mm-hmm. because oh my gosh, it will burn all of the bacteria away, and it will hurt for about six minutes. But then you'll be like, wow, I feel amazing. Partially because I'm drunk, because I poured Jack Daniels down my throat. True, 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 true. <laughs> but anyway, so today, 
Um, we're, we're a little, we're a little out of sorts. Um, we're recording backwards. We're recording on a different day. Um, Patrick is going to be moving later on in the week. We've yep. talked about that for the last couple of weeks. Yep. We're, um, we're, hopefully by the time this comes out, we'll be in our new house. Like, that's right. Well into it. So settled and like making your neighbors angry and stuff like that. What's the plan? In backyard. I mean, the first thing we're going to do is put up a fence. So. Heck yeah. That's the universal sign of leave me alone. Leave me alone. <laughs> putting up a, see, so so we moved a while back. It was about six or seven months ago we moved. And I moved to a house that did not have a fence. But mm-hmm. I had houses on every side of me. Mm-hmm. And so because I'm a cheapskate, I've waited for all of my neighbors to build fences. And so all I have to do is basically run from their fence to attach it to my house and that's it. Do you have to get permission from them to do that? In our neighborhood, you do, yes. I'm, well, so I imagine we will have to because the house behind us has a fence, but they're not mm-hmm. in our neighborhood. And we're oh. trying to see if we can tie into their fence with... Oh, you could totally tie into their fence. Okay. Well, I guess That's what I would permission. do. Yeah. It'd, be, it'd be a lot less fencing to buy, but... Yes. That's neither here nor there. Actually, yeah. it is over there, but not here. <laughs> so... <clears throat> We're gonna we're gonna discuss. We're gonna talk about the beer later. We're not even gonna tell you what it is right now. But today we're gonna keep on going in our discussion of uh, this kind of talk about the Bible. What is the Bible? What does it mean? How is it applicable for Christians? And we're gonna kind of pick up on two more of the questions from the seventy-seven questions. And we're not really gonna pull directly from it. We're gonna we're gonna hint around at it. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're gonna take on the two questions of can Christians hold contradictory teachings from the Bible? And still be in unity. And then the other question is, uh, what is the real purpose of the Bible? Mm, yeah. So, so you have, you know, in, in last week, we really, we kind of talked about how to interpret the Bible using the grammatical, the history, the context, and, and all that. And then one of the, I guess, biggest criticisms out of something like that is, well, when you do interpret the Bible, what do you do? when you come to a different conclusion that somebody else does. And and this does happen. I mean, there there's not 100% agreement amongst all Christians worldwide on what the Bible actually means. Yeah. I mean, I think the most obvious example that we're that we could touch on would be the issue of the consumption of alcohol. Yeah, obviously. I mean, so I mean, obviously <laughs> we believe that there's nothing wrong as long as there with you consuming alcohol as long as you uh do it in moderation, you don't uh don't abuse it. That kind of thing. And then there are other denominations or other, even within our denomination, I would think, who would say, no, we need to, we need to completely abstain because the Bible clearly, uh, the Bible clearly reads that way, that you should mm-hmm. completely abstain from all consumption of alcohol, whereas you and I and many others would argue that the Bible does not say to completely abstain. In fact, if anything, the Bible encourages moderation. Yes. So... I mean that's the that's the big one that we could we yeah. could touch on. So um, so how do we how do we bridge that as Christians? It's kind of I think it's yeah. part of the question that we're mm-hmm. talking about today. How do we bridge that that gap as Christians? Well, for me, I mean, when it comes to that particular issue, I mean talking about the consumption of alcohol. Mm-hmm. You know, I have friends that I love very dearly who are going to completely abstain from it, mm-hmm. and it's not you know. But they don't frown upon me for consuming alcohol. Right. Because they understand that, like, their background, their upbringing, their personal um, 
like fa- family historical tendencies mm-hmm. almost require them to not consume alcohol mm-hmm. because if they're if they come from an addict, like a family with addictive tendencies, it can become a vice, um, yes. and it's just better for them not to not to bother with it. Mm-hmm. But they understand like they have their stance, I have my stance, and we're not trying to. And I think this is really the point you're trying to get to here is we're not trying to change each other because yeah. we believe that we are the right way. I don't think mm-hmm. there is. Throughout throughout scripture, there are several, several, like a ton of things that there is one clear cut answer. Yeah. But on some other issues, it's not as black and white. Exactly. Yeah. And that's, that is, that's exactly where I would fall um, on, on that subject right there is I would say, you know, understanding the difference between uniformity and unity Mm, is key mm -hmm. yeah um you can be unified yet still be in disagreement and and let me i'm I'm just gonna throw out like a a weird example so let's say that that my family gets up and and i have two kids and i say all right kids we're gonna go do something fun today uh what do y'all want to do and one of my kids says uh let's go bowling you know and then the other kid says no 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 let's go to the beach Okay, well, there's one person that wants to go bowling, one person wants to go to the beach, but we can only do one. Mm-hmm. Okay, somebody is not going to get what they want. Okay, so so we're not uniform in our thinking. Everybody doesn't want to do the same thing. Right. But we're only going to do one of these activities. So if we go to the beach, the person who wanted to go bowling doesn't get what they want. But they're still going to the beach with us. They're having a good time. They're in unity with us, mm. even though they're not necessarily getting what they want. Now, it's that's a that's kind of a loose metaphor right there, because we're not we're not talking about getting what you want. We're talking about what you believe. Okay, right. but I think it's essential to understand that that there are certain areas where we can differ as Christians, and it's okay to differ within the spectrum of scripture and and the spectrum of beliefs that we would call orthodox. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, There are certain things you can believe as a Christian. And then there are certain things you cannot believe as a Christian. Something you cannot believe as a Christian is that, um, you know, Mormons believe in the same Jesus that we do. You know, Mormons believe the exact same thing uh, orthodox as we do. Their doctrine is not the same as ours. So therefore, we are separated by key essential doctrines. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, same thing with like Muslims, Hindus, um, all of these other, what we would call faith religions or, or in some aspects of it, they're, they're cults. Um, but as Christians, there are certain things that we have to believe. And then there are certain things that are open for interpretation. Okay. Right. Uh, the keys, I think we've, we've talked about this and so I'm not going to dwell too long, but you know, the keys are death, burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Um, the, the oneness, the, you know, there's one God, we're a monotheistic religion. Um, salvation comes through grace alone, uh, by faith alone, through Christ alone. That Those are all orthodox. There's people who say, and, and I, I don't know exactly where I would fall in this. I, I do believe it is, it is essential. It's an, it's important. Um, but the doctrine of the Trinity, um, you know, I, I believe you have to at least understand what the doctrine of the Trinity is, even, you know, 
I don't think you can believe in, in modalism or partialism or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I, I think you do have to believe in some form of, of the Trinity um, as far as God revealing himself as three three distinct persons yet still one. Right. Um, you know, the virgin birth, I think, is is one of the essentials. And, and the way I've heard this put in the past is um, the Apostles' Creed kind of lays out the essential foundations. Mm. So you have to believe at least the Apostles' Creed. You're allowed to believe more, but you can't believe anything less. And mm-hmm. so so that's I, I, that's where I'm going to draw the line for us. Uh, I, I hope you agree with me because I just drew the line for us. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I very much agree with that. Um, but, but understanding that, that yes, we, we do need to be uniform in the essentials, but we can be unified later on, on, on everything, basically on top of the essentials, right? which is everything from, you know, voting, how we live our life, worldview implications, all of that kind of stuff. And where people run into issues is when they elevate stuff that's not essential to essential level. Yeah. It's, it's first tier and second tier. Is that, exactly. is that same conversation we've had before about making keeping first things first, which first things are the things salvation. that the Apostles Creed, salvation, um, all that other stuff. And then second tier issues are, I mean, a lot of them are ultimately individual beliefs or individual, yeah. like they're going to be different per person and they're not going to be the same throughout even one congregation. Forget, mm-hmm. forget mm-hmm. across many denominations and yeah. all the churches in the country or the world, but in one church, lowercase lower c church. It'd be well, yeah, it'd be lowercase c church. Uh, well, actually, it'd be uppercase church. In one, <laughs> in one church family body. Yes, not the whole church. That's what I'm trying. Not to the whole church. So, there you go. Yeah. So in one church. One church that meets at one place. <laughs> <laughs> one congregation. That. So it's going to be different in one congregation, even when you're under the same teaching every week, yes. when you're going to the same small groups as other people every week, like people in your small group are going to think differently. Mm-hmm. And as long as they're thinking differently on second tier issues, we shouldn't allow those things to cause uh, friction in our churches. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Now, and and I've, I've heard it said this way one time that, that there are certain things, you know, you can, el- there are certain things where you can elevate. So let's take uh, a pretty common debate within the church, which would be the debate between Calvinism and Arminianism. That's a, mm-hmm. that's a pretty popular debate. That's going to be something that's going to separate somebody in fellowship. Okay. So your, your typical Calvinists are going to be your Presbyterians, some of your Baptists, um, some Anglicans, and, and then your Armenians are going to be your Methodists, your Episcopals, those, those denominations. And what, what we say, what I'm saying here is none of those groups are excluded from calling themselves a Christian. They disagree on a foundational and really a very important uh, theological concept, mm-hmm. but it doesn't, that doesn't put them outside of the realm of of uh, Orthodox Christianity um, because one group says that salvation comes this way by grace through faith. And the other group says salvation comes this way by grace through faith. So they're just, they're disagreeing on the way that salvation happens. They're not disagreeing on salvation. 
It's like and, it's like being in high school and their math teacher wanting you to find the answer and you finding it one way, but she wanted you to find it a different way. Yes, is that and your math teacher got mad at you? Yeah, yeah and you're like, but I got the right answer. Like, what, what's what's and, the problem? And I showed my work. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, that's exactly what it is. Or, or you know, to give the math example, it would be like saying two plus three is five, but three plus two is also five. Right. You're you're putting you know you're putting the numbers in different order, but you're still getting the same answer. And so you're both saying you're both coming to the same conclusion, which is that we are saved by grace through faith. You're just talking about it, and you're and you're having a discussion over should we put the two first or the three first, right? Okay. And so that's that is the foundation of of what the guys hit on in the book, where you're talking about being uh, disagreeing or or having different beliefs, but having unity in love. And so, you know, you, we've said this multiple times where you talk, uh, John chapter 13, where it says, you know, we, we were to be disciples of Christ and we were to be known by our love. Mm. And so this is where, this is a place where Christians get to example what it means to disagree, yet still disagree with charity and disagree with graciousness and disagree with love. Mm. And, and so we... We have to learn, and we have to learn pretty quickly how to represent that to the world. Because as I watch the news, and as I listen to news reports, and I read Facebook, all I'm seeing is more and more and more divisiveness, and I'm seeing it more and more from my Christian brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, if you don't agree with me, then then bleepity bleep 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 down the road with yep. you. Yeah, I think it's it's really easy to get caught into that trap of just going along with whatever the world is doing and the world right now is very much like, Oh, you don't agree with me where you're obviously a Nazi or you're obviously, a, <laughs> you know, fascist or you're obviously a whatever, yeah. you know, and it's not about, it's not, it's becoming less and less about listening to the other side of the argument. And it's just becoming more about, well, you don't agree with me. I don't want anything to do with you. And exactly. I feel like that mentality is bleeding over into our churches. And especially now it's been, um, I know your church is starting back in person in the last couple of months, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've really been been back solid since uh, since about May. Okay. Well, we still haven't been back. Yeah, and and that's just because we go to a bigger church that has satellite campuses, and they're being really cautious just due to the sheer size of the congregation. Yeah, but yeah, I, I can mean, understand that. But we, you know. We haven't been in fellowship with other believers, so right now our only real connection with the outside world, except for work, is through social media, yeah. which is where we're seeing all the negative people out there that are mm-hmm. getting in the comments and wanting to attack people just because they disagree and not want to, and and people don't want to address, like, don't want to say, like, this is where I stand. No, they don't want to do that. They just want to say, your argument is stupid and you're an idiot and it's yeah. all it's all um attacking the person not the argument yeah yeah it, it really is and and i'll tell you what there is i'm gonna i'm gonna mention this and i'm gonna i'm gonna make note to tag them uh but there's a podcast that i have just recently probably within the last four or five weeks started listening to and i've, I've listened to several of their episodes they have a bunch going back but it's a podcast called the recovering fundamentalist podcast mm-hmm um, and it's these three guys. I think I think they're pastors. Um, they, I know for sure they at least work for a church. Um, but they came out of 
a movement called the Independent Fundamental Baptist Movement. And there, there is a certain uh, promotion of the, the Independent Fundamental Baptist Movement that is very, from, from outside appearances, they appear very legalistic. They appear very like, you have to do it our way or no way. You have to, you know, it's everything is law. Everything is rules. Everything is, if you don't do it exactly right, then, then you're a heathen and you're probably not saved and you're going to go to hell. And, and this group, uh, the, these three guys came out of this movement and they've been, they've been talking and having open conversations about coming out and, and leaving the, the independent fundamental movement. And they've been having conversations with guys that are still in the fundamental movement or have just recently come out as well. Right. And I'll tell you, I mean, I've, I have, uh, silently just watched, um, the, the independent fundamental Baptist movement. Uh, over the years since I was in really kind of in college because I've, I've been intrigued by it. I was never a part of it, so I'm not going to speak into it as far as like I'm an authority on it, but I've just watched the public side of it, watched it from a public perspective. And so this podcast to me is almost a, a it's like a reality check because now I'm listening to guys who were, who were actually in it mm-hmm. and, and they chose to leave they talk about the the reasons behind why they chose to leave was because of this legalistic mentality, this, this, you had to do it our way. And if you didn't do it our way, then you're wrong. And if you don't agree with us a hundred percent, then I'm going to, you know, uh, I'm going to do whatever I can to hurt you, you know? And, mm-hmm. and I've heard them talking about, and I've heard some of these guys that they've had on talking about, you know, these would be evangelists that would travel around and do, uh, do camp meetings and stuff inside the movement and if they disagreed on something, um, you know, they, they would get a phone call from someone that says, man, I'm, I'm not going to have you to my church in three weeks to preach. And you say, why? And they say, well, because you did X and Y. And he's like, well, well brother, what, what does that have to do with me preaching the gospel at your church? Well, I just, I can't be seen basically being friends with you because if I do, my people are going to revolt against me. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's kind of really exposing this underbelly side of it that is, not necessarily representative of the entire movement as a whole, but it does represent a large part of the public face of mm-hmm. independent fun- right. fundamentalism. And and so they had this guy on uh, a few weeks ago, um, and he is a independent was an independent fundamental Baptist preacher, still preaches that style, which you would think of. And, and when I say independent fundamental Baptist, if you've ever seen the Twitter handle IFB Preacher Clips, that's what I'm talking about when I say independent fundamental Baptist, IFB preacher clips. Um, they swear up and down that none of them are that, but apparently they, I don't, I think they know who that person is because they've, they've messaged back and forth or whatever. They at least interact with a Twitter account. And so, um, so these guys are, are doing this and they had this guy on who used to be an IFB guy and his name was Phil Kidd. And Phil Kidd is probably one of the biggest names in uh, in the IFB world. Mm-hmm. And first they had his son on several weeks ago. And then, then they had the, the dad on and, and I'll tell you what, man, I, I was completely blown away because I'm listening to this guy that I would, that I probably would not have given two, two ounces of, of credit to before I listened to this podcast. And, and I've gone back and I've listened to it and I'm listening to this guy and I'm like, okay, this is a guy who has a specific style who wants to preach his specific way. 
I don't agree with it, mm-hmm. but I understand exactly where he's coming from. And I, and I and and I appreciate this is what I'm what I'm talking about when I say unity and love. These are guys who are on completely opposite ends of the spectrum who are willing to sit down and talk about why they're on opposite ends of the spectrum and and understand we're not talking about doctrinal issues on on their mm-hmm. they're not talking about doctrinal issues. They they pushed him in some areas and he pushed back in some areas. Mm-hmm. But what they were talking about realistically was a style. Mm-hmm. And and I said all of that to get to the point of a lot of times what we make doctrinal issues are really just a difference of style. You know, you're talking about a church where you go that's a lot larger than my church. So we've already started meeting back because we don't have as many people to to take into account for. I understand that the leadership of your church has a whole lot more people to account for, so they're taking a little bit more precaution. Mm-hmm. And, and that makes sense, you know. But but if I were if I were sitting down with with somebody on on the staff at your church, you know I may say, man, I really wish y'all y'all would get back. I really wish you would do this because I want them to. I want the fellowship to be restored. Mm-hmm. But I but I hear them say, you know, we have this and this and this and and we have these reasons and we have that and there's no way that we can really protect our people if they come here and and so it, it makes me think and go, okay. Maybe I need to just stop and listen to people from time to time instead of just interjecting what I think all the time. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, I really feel like 95 plus percent of issues in the church or in the world or wherever can be resolved (laughs) if people would just listen. Absolutely. Like, Like, don't like when someone's telling you something, don't interject your ideas don't and don't don't try to help if they're not if people aren't asking for help like don't offer your help um yeah uh, but you know it's it's getting to the point where we understand views that are not our own and not understand to the point where like we change our views but understand where people are coming from Mm -hmm. um and being okay with it like there's nothing that says as long as it's a second tier third tier issue in the church like my church doesn't have to look exactly like your church, and the two churches no. can look different from a third church. Like, and no. there's and there's nothing wrong with that as long as they're preaching. It's as long as they're preaching Jesus is the only way. As long as they're opening their Bible, as long as they're singing worship songs that glorify and exalt Jesus, then who cares about all that other stuff? You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's we we have lost our way in thinking that that our preference needs to be the normal preference, you know, and, mm-hmm, and I mm-hmm. say this as somebody who's, you know, I, I tend toward, you know, a more contemporary style of worship. Let, you know, let's pull up another, another avenue that's pretty popular and pretty divisive worship styles. Should we sing hymns with a pipe and an or with an organ and a piano, or should we sing, uh, you know, contemporary songs with a full band and a loud sound system and lights and smoke and whatever else you want to add in there? Mm-hmm. How should we do this? Well, you know, I think there's room in the Bible to, to 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 do both because the Bible says sing to the Lord a new song. It doesn't say sing to the Lord a song with pipe and organ, you know, or, or with piano or, and organ. Or, or the old song you've been singing for 100 years. Yeah. But, but here's the thing. 100 years ago, that old song was new. Exactly. Somebody had to learn that new. Somebody had to write that song. That, was, that song did not exist from the beginning of time. Dude, that logic you know? would wreck people. You know that, right? <laughs> people would be like, well, 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 well. You know? 
and and for the people who who are like the older songs opposed to the new songs you know and they and they say things like well you know i don't like the new songs because they're so repetitive and they and they you know repeat them over and over they repeat the same thing over and over and over again i'm just going to encourage you to go read psalm 136 mm-hmm. uh because you know his love endures forever is repeated every other line in that verse and i think there are times in our lives as christians we need to have things repeated to us to remind us Number one, how stupid we are. Mm-hmm. We forget so easily. And and we need to be reminded of the simple and plain things of God. How great is the Father's love for us? Your love endures forever. That needs to be repeated to us on a daily basis. And so, you know, I can really take this argument on from either side because uh, I, I don't have, I'm not, I don't hold it with closed, closed hands. I, you know, I kind of leave it open. Mm-hmm. I love singing old hymns. Uh, because that's what I grew up singing. I also love singing new songs because I'm musically inclined and I love to play these new songs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, you know, I can really step on both sides of the fence in that in that genre or in that uh, argument mm-hmm. and and make both arguments. And yeah. so, but but either way, we have to be willing to say whether you prefer old or whether you prefer new, that is a preference. And yeah. when we say things like put your preferences aside, that goes for everybody. Right. You know, yeah. whether you drink alcohol or don't, put your preferences aside. That goes for everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, coming back to the worship thing, for me, I was late coming to church. Like, I didn't start coming to church till later in life. I was a, mm-hmm. I was in high school. And so, you know, I don't have the experience of all the old hymns from, you know, back in the day always being around. You know, I only yeah. know what my church has played from the time I was 18 until now. Yeah. So to me, old, so even old songs to me now aren't really even that old. Um, <laughs> but it's funny. My, my wife will start singing to him and I'm like, I don't think I've ever heard this song before. And, yeah. she, and she's like, well, we, we used to sing it all the time at church. And I'm like, I, okay. If you say so, <laughs> I wasn't there, but okay, cool. Whatever you say. Yeah. But I mean, it's, it's like it's like you said. Like, there's a lot of times where churches are preaching. Everyone mm-hmm. puts your preferences aside, but that means everybody. It says it doesn't yeah. just mean like all the young people, all the old people. Yeah, it's like everybody collectively together. Yeah, needs to well, be doing that. and and here's what I would say that to churches that say that that want to preach. Everyone put your preferences aside. Don't forget that you need to be pointing a finger at yourself and put mm-hmm. your own preferences aside. You know, maybe and and, and <laughs> maybe there's a time where we can do old hymns for one Sunday, but maybe you can do them with a new twist, or you can do you know you can do that old hymn in a classic style with a band. Um, you know, most of the time that I've seen people, they really just a lot of the times they like the words, they like the lyrics of the songs, mm-hmm. and and if you can incorporate those exact lyrics into a new version of the song. Most of the time, I've seen people are happy. Very rarely have I seen people get upset because a, a hymn was played with a band. Yeah. Just you contact know. Chris Tomlin and see how that's going for <laughs> All he does is add a chorus to it, and you're good to go. Yeah, and people will <laughs> sing it for 10 years. You know, so. but, but one of my favorite hymns of all time is, is the hymn, It Is Well. Mm-hmm. And, and the second verse, you know, you have the line in the second verse, My sin not in part, but the whole is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. I mean— you can't get more theology packed into two 
sentences of a verse than you, than those two verses, those two sentences right there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then he ends that praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Oh, my soul. Yeah. Um, you know, and this is coming from a guy, Horatio Spafford, who had just lost his wife and his family. And he's saying that he's saying my sin is nailed to the cross. Praise the Lord. It is well with my soul because of all of this. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there is in, in, that's the thing. Don't just throw out old songs because they're not hip in the new style. Look at the words. Look at the lyrics. And on the converse, don't throw out the new songs just because they're new and hip. Look at the words and look at the lyrics. Judge the songs by the contents, not by how they sound. Yeah. And if you don't, if you like the words but don't like the sound, make your own sound. Yeah. There's no, there's, there's no rule <laughs> saying you have to play it exactly like whoever. Exactly. Exactly. So... That's where you're going to find middle ground, uh, and, and you're going to get that unity and love. And we've already kind of hit on the essentials, which is what the other guy, uh, the other question or the other kind of aspect that they brought out. But let's mm-hmm. move on to this other question, which is we, we've got the Bible. We've talked about how it's, how it can create discontinuity or, or contradictions, apparent contradictions. Mm-hmm. So that brings us to, to me, it's the next logical step, which is, what is the point of the Bible? Right. Well, and, and these guys point out really three purposes for mm-hmm. the Bible. Um, one is uh, to point out doctrine. One is to address behavior. And then in, uh, the other is just a relational purpose. Um, when we talk about doctrine, that's pointing out things like that's the Bible is how God instructs us on what we should believe. Um and then those beliefs should become our authority. Um, and my train of thought was <laughs> severed. The well, okay. So you you you're you're right there on it. You said you said what comes out of scripture should be our authority. That that right there is the essence of the Protestant belief of sola scriptura. Mm-hmm. Um you know, and, and what what that was going against, to give you a little <clears throat> little history here on that one, is Sola Scriptura did not mean that you only read the Bible. So there there's a group of people, um, and, and I'll bring them back in. The Independent Fundamental Baptists are big on this. They think you should only read the 1611 King James Version, no commentaries, no extra books. You read the Bible, and you'll understand the Bible exactly for yourself. Well, the problem I have with that is... If you're going to discount commentaries and you're going to discount um, other translations, you're going to you're going to discount the Holy Spirit's work in that person's life that that led them to write that commentary. You're mm. you're saying that the Holy Spirit speaking to you is more important than the Holy Spirit speaking to that other person who wrote that book. And so, so you get it's it's almost this um, proud argument, mm. mm-hmm. you know, where where they say, "Oh, I'll understand it better than anybody else." You know, I don't want to listen to what anybody else is going to say. Have these people ever read a 1611 version of the King James Bible? (laughs) Most of them have. That junk's not even in English. Like, I know it's written in English, but it's not English. It's old English. It's old English. It's oldie English. Oldie English, yeah. So, um, but but the, the, when we talk about a doctrinal purpose, the Bible should instruct us in what we believe, and the Bible alone is the final authority. That's what sola scriptura means. It doesn't mean you exclude everything else, but it means you compare everything else to what the Bible actually says. If the Bible backs up what the commentary or the 
podcast you listen to or in, insert whatever you want to in this spot here. Um, but if the Bible backs it up, then the Bible, then, then you can apply those things to your life. But the Bible yeah. is the ultimate authority exactly. or the final authority. Exactly. And, and so you have to, you have to take everything back to scripture. And, and that's when, you know, when somebody says, well, I believe this, you know, my next question for them is typically what chapter and verse, mm-hmm. you know, where do you base your belief that X is true or your belief that this doctrine is the way that it should be? Show me the scripture that supports that. And then I'll believe you. And so, so that's a, that is a doctrinal purpose for the Bible. And then the the second one they mentioned is a behavioral purpose. And this one, I mean, this one to me is just, it's really cut and dry. You know, the Bible says, this is how Christians should behave. This is how Christians should exemplify Christ. It's as simple as that. Yeah. You know, it's an instruction book, a law book, command book. It's got what to do, what not to do. Just how to live. Wisdom. Uh, is, I mean, it's full of knowledge that if all we do is open it, we'll be able to reap those benefits. Yeah. But, um, yeah. If you've ever had kids, um, which I do, then then you've probably found yourself staying, saying the statement, this is the way we act, this is the way we do that, because the Bible teaches us to. Mm-hmm. You know, the Bible teaches us to be truth tellers, so we tell the truth. The Bible teaches us to love one another, so we love one another. And, and it, it kind of, again, it bounces off of that Sola Scriptura idea where we do it because that's what the Bible teaches. And the Bible is the ultimate and final authority in our life. Right. And so if we're going to believe this way, then we need to have a foundation. We need to have a source for this belief. And that belief is scripture. Right. Um, which is, which brings that, you know, brings out that behavioral aspect of, of what, the purpose of the Bible is what's the, let's talk about the final one. Yeah. So the final one is just the, the relational purpose of the Bible. Um, you know, we talked about how there's a lot of commands in the Bible, but they point out the authors here point out that there's one command called the great commandment. And Jesus said, love the Lord, your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Mm-hmm. So Jesus is making a connection here between truth and relationships mm-hmm. um and so so it's it's really important to you know we've talked about how we should be striving to build relationships with people to share the gospel with them and not just beat them over the head with the bible saying you're going to hell and you need to <laughs> repent and, and love jesus or you're going to spend an eternity in fire um sometimes that is needed but i feel like there's a place for that <laughs> but the overwhelming majority of the time that is not going to be effective yes um, and so, um, with the Bible here, it, it's, it teaches us how to have true relationship with, with each other, how to treat other people, but also how to have a true relationship with God. Mm-hmm. So, yes. And, and the foundation for that, for the, what you just brought out is, it's really in the 10 commandments, the 10 commandments. Uh, if you've ever seen the movie, the 10 commandments, you've seen Charlton Heston come down the the mountain looking like Moses with two big tablets in his hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is actually a reference to what's called the two tables of the law. Um, and if you take the 10 commandments, the first four 10 commandments of the 10 commandments are laws directly related between man and God. Mm-hmm. Love the Lord, your God, 
Um, no other gods before me. No other gods before me. Honor the Sabbath and don't take your don't take the Lord. I just mm-hmm. set them out of order, but yeah. um, that's the first four, and those are vertical. That's the first table of the law, and then the second table of the law is you know honor your parents, don't murder, don't steal, don't commit adultery, don't lie, uh, don't covet your neighbor's house. All all of those are man to man relational, mm-hmm. and so when Jesus actually said. You know, the first and greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That is the entire first table of the law. Mm -hmm. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. That encompasses all of the second table of the law. Yeah. And so Jesus was pointing back to the Ten Commandments at that point and saying, you want to know how to live? There it is right there. Everything can be summed up in in those two tables of the law. And those two tables can be summed up as simply as love God and love people. Yep. And, and so if you're loving God and you're loving people, then you are fulfilling the relational aspect or the relational purpose of what scripture lays out for us. Right. So anything else we want to add on those? I don't know. I mean, this feels really, um, not basic knowledge, but seems very (laughs) like elementary almost like it. Like it's it's almost like a common sense like well duh but it's always a good reminder yeah. to come back to like oh the there is a purpose of the Bible it's not just yeah. this book that I read sometimes yeah. um I, and I and I feel like you know just having that reminder that like it's the Bible is um, reinforcing my doctrine teaching me how to how to act um, mm-hmm. helping me to have healthy relationships with God and others um. I don't think there's any issue with being reminded of that. No, so. there's not. There, well, there shouldn't be. And if there is, then then you may want to check yourself because you might be wrecking yourself. Yes. <laughs> so, um, Sweet. Well, we're going to pause. And what we're going to do is go get our beer. And we're going to come back and hopefully Rick's beer will be thawed at this point. Um, so we will be back right after this. And we're back. Um, this is weird to be doing the beer on this side of the break, but here we go. Um, so today we have, we're going back to the Wild Heaven Beer Company. And we are going to be drinking the Emergency Drinking Beer Watermelon Blend. It's their summer uh, summer blend that they've got there. They're, these guys are located in Avondale Estates, which is like Atlanta area. Is that right? Yes. So, Wild Heaven Beer, they're back. Um, it's like the third one we've done with them. So, Yeah, so I, I saw this one in the store, and I felt bad the last time we did a Wild Heaven Beer. Like, both Patrick and myself were like, this is not good. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we liked the first one that we did. And so, I saw this, and I was like, ooh, I know that Patrick has had just the regular mm-hmm. emergency drinking beer. Yes. Um, but this was the watermelon. I was like, let's try the watermelon blend and see if it is as good. Maybe we can redeem Wild Heaven because we want to redeem you, Wild Heaven. We feel yes. like your your saison just like I had another saison later, and I still have three of them in my fridge because I just 
I'm sorry. I just didn't like it. I don't think I've had another one since, and that's been <laughs> several weeks. So um, I'm going through my fridge trying to get old beers out before we're uh, before we move. So um, the can is really cool. It looks a little bit like a watermelon. Um, yes, it's got like green around the bottom with white and then red at the top. Um, emergency drinking beer, dude. That is a great name for it is for just about anything, honestly. Um, let's see, this thing is four percent ABV, and uh, this is only available June through August. So um, that might have been why I found it. Maybe so, but. I'm I'm really interested to see how this is going to taste because I love the watermelon beers that we've had. I'm also mm-hmm. interested to see what happens when you crack yours open. <laughs> so so mine were completely frozen solid, and I set them out. And uh, so here's a here's a fun tip for everyone. I set two of them in a bowl of lukewarm water to thaw, like restaurants do, and then I put two of them directly in the sun. Now the two that were in the lukewarm water actually unfroze more than the two that were sitting directly oh, in the sun. Okay. Interesting. So, so there's your little tip. If you want to unfreeze something quickly, put it in lukewarm water. That works better. Okay. But so I'm going to, I've got my cup on the ready just in case this thing spews. Um, cause I don't know what's going to happen. It, it feels like it's depressurized on the can, uh, from where it was frozen, but, um, I've also cracked open. Liquid. frozen. <laughs> is it, is it a yeah, it's, liquid liquidy? Okay, good. Yeah, it's definitely, it's it's at least 60% liquid now. Okay, we'll be point, able to get so. some of it out. Cool. As, as I just shook it, that's going to be what makes it spew everywhere. <laughs> You'll never know if it would have been good or not. So, all right, well, let's crack all this right. open and, and get to drinking. Here we go. Three, two, one, crack. Oh, we got no spillage. Wow, I had a really hard time cracking that. I think it's because I just trimmed my fingernails. <laughs> Um, anyway, this, uh, that does not smell like watermelon. No, it doesn't. It smells, it smells like just regular beer. Let's pour it up. It it has a slightly pink. Oh, it's got a pink hue to it. Well, that's interesting. So apparently I was more than 60% unfrozen. I'm like pretty much all the way thawed. There's like one little chunk of ice down in there. Well, save it for later. Smelling the can, thinking maybe it'll smell like watermelon. It does not. No, it doesn't. But, it, I mean, it's got some, like, particulates in the beer. Yeah. Some stuff floating around. I don't know if that's watermelon or what. Um, it, the, so the website says this is uh, Wild Heaven's most popular beer, which is the emergency drinking beer, mm-hmm. plus fresh juiced watermelons. Well, that seems pretty straightforward then. So this might just taste like a regular beer with like a hint of watermelon. So, um, I'm ready to let's turn it up and see what happens. Yeah, let's do it. So, emergency drinking beer, watermelon blends. Here we, we go. Go. Oh wow, dang! That is that is much more watermelon flavor than it looks like. Holy cow! That is a okay. lot more watermelon flavor so than it looks remember, like. Remember, um, wow, that is really good. That is good. My wife is in here. She wants to taste it now. She, she just heard me go, oh, wow. <laughs> Which one was it 
Was it the watermelon Goza that was like more Jolly Rancher flavored? Um, I think so because it had a um whatever the the Goza style has like salt in it. Mm-hmm. And to me, that one that one tasted the most like watermelon. Um, it might have been the one that just you did, the well, 21st Amendment no, Hell so, or High Watermelon. So I'm, I'm looking back at it. I think the Hell or High Watermelon was tasted the most like watermelon of the three that I, that we that I've done. Because mm-hmm. you've only this is only your second one. It's only my second one, yeah. Because I did the watermelon Goza, um, and then now this one, which is another part of the reason that I bought this one because I was like, hey, we've we've had good luck with watermelon mm-hmm. beers. This one is this one's pretty good. I can't tell if it's. It's like right on the, it's like bridging the gap between artificial watermelon and authentic watermelon for me. Yeah. Um, you, you know what this makes me want to do? It makes me want to try. So, um, I love eating watermelon in the summertime. Mm-hmm. And this makes me want to like eat watermelon and drink beer at the same time. Okay. Which is what it, like a bite of watermelon, a drink of beer. Yes. A bite of water. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's what this Dude, makes me want to what do. You should do. I've seen, I think I've seen the tipsy bartender, which we've mentioned a few times now, do this. He'll hollow, like he'll drill a hole in the watermelon, um, basically scrape the inside of it to make it mush, mm-hmm. and then pour like beer in the watermelon and put a spigot on it. Heck yes. I need to try that. That's a lot of effort for... <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> anyway, um... Where are you going to land? I'm still, I'm still trying to figure out where I'm going to end up. So... Uh, all right, here here is what I really like about this beer. It's light. It's refreshing. This is this is like the the quintessential summer afternoon beer flavor to me with watermelon, and I, and I like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to make fun of guys who would be like, "Oh, I want a watermelon beer." I'd be like, "Hi, ah, you little sissy." Now I am turning into that sissy because I have like. <laughs> Patrick just laughed out. He almost spit his beer out over that one. <laughs> I tried not to laugh right into the mic because it would have been really loud. That's hilarious. Um, I mean, I just, I don't know what it is about this this beer, but it's good. Like, it's good. Um, It's refreshing. If I were sitting out on my porch on a hot, sunny day, this would be exactly what I would want. Um, with that said, I cannot give this five, five Luthers. I just, like, it's just not in the realm of no crusts. Um, it's not in the, the realm of Kent Wanamango last week. Mm-hmm. It's very, very close. And so I'm going to come in at four and a half Luthers with this one. Okay. I'm going to come in four and a half out okay. of five. All right. So I'm in a bit of a predicament. <laughs> you want to give it five so bad, don't well, you? <laughs> well, here's the thing. I'm struggling with the idea of giving it five, but I mm-hmm. think it's better than the watermelon Goza, which I gave a five. <laughs> And I gave the Hell or High Watermelon also five. So I think I'm backed into a corner and almost have to give this one five Luthers. If you're going to be consistent, you have to. Um, it is really good. The watermelon flavor is just subtle enough. Um, there is no hint of watermelon until you taste it. There's no. no smell. There's no um, There's no expectation. There's a little bit of like, like I said, you can hold it up to the light and see some like red flecks floating around, which I guess could potentially be watermelon. Um, but all that to say, I'm going to take another sip. Um, 
I feel like it is less artificial than the watermelon goza, but not as authentic as the Hell or High watermelon. Yeah. And it's flavoring. Um, I'm going to give it five Luthers. It's, it's, it's a good <laughs> summer beer. Um, I know we're, we're getting a little loose with our, I'm getting a little looser with giving out the five. Um, <laughs> you get a five and you get a five and you get a five. Hey, I o- mean, I Oprah would be proud of you, man. Oprah <laughs> is a psycho, but anyway, um, I gave it five. It's, it's pretty good. And, um, that's, a. Uh, I mean, I keep like, the aftertaste is almost like when you have a watermelon seed in your mouth. Mm-hmm. Like that's almost what the aftertaste is like, and it's really pleasant. Like it's yes, it's it's really nice. So I'm I know I was wrestling with the whole it's not <laughs> not wanting to give it a five, but I given all the other watermelons a five. Um, it's better than it, it's. It, I'm I'm fine with giving this one a five. So yeah. Wild Heaven I mean, has redeemed itself. Yes, the the saison was terrible, but the the watermelon emergency drinking beer. This makes me want to drink the regular emergency drinking beer. That one's pretty good. I would, I'd probably give it if I had to rate it, probably a three and a half to four. Okay. Um, but so actually, the watermelon takes it up a notch. Yeah, watermelon adds a little bit to it. Yeah. <laughs> so, but Wild Heaven, you're uh, you're. Redemption tour is complete, um, and the watermelon is is good here from from Wild yes. Heaven Beer Company. So yes, so there you have it. Um, there's our our backwards discussion on the purpose of the Bible. That is so weird to do on the back end. Now. <laughs> it is. It is. Next time I won't freeze my beer, so we can actually do the beer review first it's next fine. time because I, it, it does feel weird. I ain't gonna lie, it feels. Weird. I don't know what to do now. Like we're done. So. Um, <laughs> Patrick, if they want to find us on social media, where would they do that? If you are on the social medias, uh, you can find us at Instagram over at uh, Beers and Bible underscore. You can find us on Twitter at Beers and Bible P1. You can also email us at Beers and Bible Podcast at gmail.com. And we're on Facebook. Just search Beers and Bible Podcast and look for our logo. Yes. So until next week, we hope you enjoy uh, a couple of watermelons. Uh, They're 4%, so you can enjoy more than one if you want to. The way you worded that, it sounds like you want people to eat an entire watermelon. Like two of them. (laughs) Please eat an entire watermelon and then drink a bunch of beer and tell us how bloated you are afterwards. That would be amazing. So um, until the next time, until next time, see you later. Peace out. If you enjoy what you hear on Beers and Bible, please consider leaving a five-star rating and review on your podcast platform to help us promote this podcast.